This is recording number 11040 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, March 24, 2013. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Long Road, A Season of Recovery. This message is called The Long Road, A Season of Recovery. Now, tonight, Sue and I will be uh, traveling to, on the road, uh, traveling to, well, first of all, we've got to go to Santa Cruz for one of our grandkids' birthday parties this afternoon. Then we have to go to Los Angeles to see Sue's dad for a couple of days. And um, so we will not be watching our favorite show on Sunday night at 8 o'clock, which is The Amazing Race. But normally that's what we'd be doing tonight. How many have ever seen The Amazing Race? Okay. So, so for those of you who have never seen it, what it is is it's uh, teams of two people that have some sort of relational connection, brother, sister, friend, husband, wife, uh, co-workers, whatever. And these teams compete against one another in a race around the world. And uh, they have to navigate all kinds of um, forms of transportation. They have to accomplish different tasks and stuff. And they get to uh, these uh, stopping points along the way. And the last team to arrive at those stopping points is eliminated until finally there's, there's just one left, one team left. Well, anyway, one of the things we've seen, as Sue and I have been watching this over the years, uh, is th that uh, people get really messed up when they uh, goof up on their directions. You know, if they get in a taxi cab, it may not even be their fault, they get in a taxi cab and the driver doesn't know where he's going and they make a wrong turn. Or they uh, don't know how to read a map very well, which is amazing. You know, I don't even know why you'd want to be in the amazing race if you can't figure out how to read a map. But it seems like there's a lot. Maybe they select people for that reason. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, it seems like they just can't find, you know, they're turning the map around and trying to find, you know, the right way to go. But you've probably figured, and, and I can totally relate because I am a typical male and I never ask for directions and I'm always lost. And uh, so I can understand, but you, even if you're not like me or if you're not on The Amazing Race, you certainly can relate to the fact that it doesn't take much before you find yourself way off course. One turn uh, in the wrong direction tends to lead to another turn in the wrong direction, to another one, to another and Pretty soon you reach this place where you say, wait a minute, how did I get here? And that happens to a lot of us in life. I don't mean to say that this is something that just happens by accident. It isn't. There are choices that are made. We decide, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go right here, even though I think the Lord wants me to go left. I'm, this looks better. I'm going to go right. And one little choice like that, one little decision like that, can cause us to end up in a place where we stop, where we realize one day, wow, this cannot be God's will for my life. This cannot be what he created me for. This, is, this cannot be what he had planned for me before the foundations of the world. How did I get here? 
And I want to talk to you today about what the Bible says uh, are four things that we can do when we're in that place to cooperate with what God wants to do, which is to rescue, redeem, and restore. When you find yourself in that place, sometimes it seems like there's just no way back. I've gotten so far off course. How do I? There's just no possibility. Listen, with God, there is always a possibility. His arm is not short that it cannot save. That's what the Bible says. There's no hole you can dig yourself into that he can't reach in and get you out. But there are some things that we can do to cooperate with him in that process. And that's what we find here in Jeremiah chapter 29. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. Now there, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to, to Babylon. I had to say that word very carefully because it's hard to say. Try it with me. Nebuchadnezzar. Now five times fast. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar was a king of the Babylonian or the Babylons and the ruler of the Babylonian Empire, which was the <clears throat> dominant force in the world at the time. What's happening here is this guy Jeremiah, who is a prophet, is writing a letter to the people of Israel who are now captive in the land of Babylon. This is a sad, sad story. I don't want to take too long with it. Most of you are familiar with the fact that God, God used a guy named Moses to lead the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt and then to, to take them to the promised land. God fulfilled his promise to do so, took them to the land of promise and told them, obey me. <laughs> Pay attention to the things that I've said to you. Don't let your heart drift to the idolatry and to the wicked practices of your neighbor. Stay true to me, to, to my word, and everything I've promised you will come to pass. They didn't do that. And much of the Old Testament is about the people of God having turned a deaf ear to the Lord time and time again because all along the way God was sending prophets to say to them, hey, turn back to God. You've gotten off course. You've left the path. Come back to the Lord. And all along the way the people would just turn a deaf ear again and again and again and they found themselves at the point where God had one option left and that was to send them back into slavery. Can you imagine how that must have hurt the heart of God? But, dear one, God loves you so much that if that's the only card he has left to play, he will play it. Because he wants you to know him and his blessings in your life. He wants to shower you with his love and compassion. Even when you turn a deaf ear to him again and again and again, he will pursue you. And so the people of Israel, after all these years of, of uh, ignoring the voice of God, reaching out to them again and again, have find themselves once again slaves in a foreign country, in Babylon. Jerusalem was the last stand. The Babylonians came, sacked the city, and took everybody and hauled them off to, uh, to Babylon. They left a few stragglers, including Jeremiah, and, who was a prophet. And so he's writing a letter now from Jeremiah where there's a handful of people left trying to, 
to survive in a devastated, broken city. And he's writing to the people enslaved in Babylon. And this is the, these are the words of his letter, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. So it's not just, hey, uh, how's it going over there in Babylon? Uh, no, he's saying, listen, I, I've got a message from God for you. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. To all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70, seven zero, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. And now verse 11, which many of you, how many of you have heard uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 before? Okay, the rest of you, you have forgotten how many times I have read it from this very platform. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So let's talk about what happens when you find yourself far off course. First, there's a couple of things I need to say that are the typical reactions when we make this discovery, that, and neither of them do anybody any good. Number one is denial. Oh, there's no problem. It's good. It's all good. I can fix this. Look, denial is not going to get anybody anywhere. It's not going to accomplish anything but to ma just to deepen the hole that you're in. The second natural response of people in that kind of situation is depression. Discouragement, despair. All those D words. And uh, depression, uh, again, only deepens the hole. And if you're not careful, it can be used by the enemy to, to just, uh, I mean, the, the sad truth is that it can take you so far uh, that suicide comes into the picture. And the enemy takes you out of the game completely. I, you know, nobody wants to think about that. But that's the, the extreme end of a pathway that you could start down when you come to that realization, oh my, how did I get here? If you're not careful, one of the natural tendencies, either denial, if not denial, is depression where you start to turn and walk down that, that path. If you're not careful, it can take you somewhere really bad. So none of those, neither of those things are, are worth considering. They really aren't. Let's see what, what God has to say. Because you've got a group of people now who are waking up to the fact 
wait a minute, we're slaves again. I mean, our story, our story for generations has been how God delivered us from slavery. And now we're slaves again? And they have the chance to either, oh, well, it's, it's all good, no, you know, just into denial or into depression. And Jeremiah writes them a letter and says, listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. This is what you do. This is what you do. First, start living now the way you want to then. He says, uh, build cities and houses and plant gardens, take wives, beget sons, give your, son, your uh, daughters to sons that they can have children. In other words, live there the way you want to when you are restored to independence and freedom. Live now the way you want to then. I cannot underemphasize the importance of this. There are some in the room right now, not, not, even, not just a, a number of people, because I know you, and then others I don't know. But I'm not thinking, just you need to know, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular right now, so just, uh, it's okay, relax. Yeah. But there are a bunch of you here who have experienced the soul-searing trauma of divorce. And what I'm about to say I don't, is not intended to uh, deepen that pain or to afflict additional pain upon you because God only has compassion towards you. Only. You hear me? So this is not about that. But this is about those who may be present here today or people you may know who find themselves waking up one day and say, wow, how did I get into this marriage? I, I really married the wrong guy. And the truth is, some of you did. But you know what else is true? The day you stood before God and pledged your love to that jerk, <laughs> that marriage became God's will for you. That guy became God's will for you and he became a 100% a advocate of that marriage and every resource of heaven he pledged to you to make that everything that he wanted to, for you to experience in a marriage. So I'm not giving any place, and you shouldn't either, to that nibbling, undermining voice of the adversary that says, you could have done better, you can do better, there's somebody better for you. Once you silence that voice, once you've come to the place where you realize, wow, I, I, I didn't consult God, I did what I wanted to do, and then here I am. Wow. Now, the time is now to live the way you want to then. Live now the way you want to then. Here's what we do though. We say, okay, well, when he starts being the kind of husband he should be, then I will be the kind of wife that I should be. When this happens, then I will... No. Live now the way you want to then. 
Whatever state of mess you find yourself in, decide, the only person I can change in this, the only thing I have any control over is me. And even that, I've got to have the grace and power of God if anything's going to change. But I am going to let that happen. I'm going to start to live now the way I want to then. Watch what God can do. Watch what God can do. Sue and I, one day, we woke up. Uh, now, this may not sound like a lot to you. It may sound like a, uh, I don't know, it may sound insurmountable. It sounded huge to us one day when we woke up and realized that we were $20,000 in, in unsecured debt. And we had one of those experiences. Oh, my. How did we get here? Well, how you get there is, a, you know, one wrong turn where you say, well, this, you know, the car breaks down and you go, well, I got to get the car fixed because I have to work. What other choice do I have? God, you're not providing for me. How did you let this happen? I got to take measures into my own hands. You whip out the credit card and see, God, I can take care of this. And pretty soon... That turn leads to another, to another, to another, and then you, whoa. And we looked at each other and we, we said, we can never get out of this debt. There's no, you know, we're pa we don't make any money. Pound a pastor's salary, how are we going to get out of $20,000 in debt? And one of the things that I remember thinking is, I know what we can do. We can stop giving because for all of our adult life, all of our married life anyway, we had been... Uh, uh, tithers. We've been given 10% of our income to the, to the Lord. And, and you know, the, uh, listen, the offering's already been received. Don't get nervous. This is not going to be about tithing or giving or anything like that. But it is the pattern of the scriptures, and we had been faithful to it to that point. So my first thought was, okay, Lord, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to take that money. I'm sure you'll bless this. And we want to we'll start getting, uh, you know, whittling down our debt. And then when our debt's paid off, We'll start giving again. In fact, I might even kick in a few more bucks. Live now. I know the Lord, the Lord spoke this to me in that moment. Live now the way you want to then. Live now the way you want to then. I said, Lord, I don't know. I can't imagine how to get out from under this debt, but I know one thing I cannot do is make the same mistake that I did that got me into this mess, which is take measures into my own hands. Now, I'm not saying there isn't, you know, personal responsibility that's involved in that, in that situation and, and sacrifices that have to be made, but it is a huge mistake to say, okay, well, I'm going to figure this out on my own. Here's my scheme, God. I'm going to take what I should, what is yours, and I'm going to use it to get myself out of this mess. Instead, I want to say, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to keep putting into your hands something you can use to bless me. You know, it's a long story that I won't tell you how the Lord led us out of that mess, but he did. It only took about three years, and I'm not kidding. We thought we could never get out of it, but the Lord did. It's a, it's a long story, but a good one. Someday maybe I'll tell you. Sometimes people wake up and find themselves in careers or jobs that, you know, they say, oh man, how did I get here? You mean I got to do this for the rest of my life? I should have I stayed in school. I should have, I should have, I should have. 
And sometimes the people make the mistake of thinking, okay, well, I'm going to fix this too, and I'm going back to school. And please don't hear me say you shouldn't go back to school or any of that kind of better. Your, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when you leave God out of the picture, it's a mistake. And so what they'll do is they'll say, okay, I'm going to get a second job or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to school to I'll get the second job to pay for the school and then I'll have a better career and so on. And so that means I, God, just know this, I don't have any time for you right now. I've I got to solve my problem. Live now the way you want to then. The second thing we see here in this passage we, we find in verse 7, Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. Can you imagine God is saying, Start praying for the peace of your enslavers. But there's a power in serving others along the way. As God is, you want God to bring recovery to you, it's so easy when you find yourself in one of those spots that I'm describing to become so focused on yourself and your problem that you forget about everything else. And one of the quickest, surest ways to get things turned around is to say, God, I've got some serious issues here, but how can I serve you in someone else's life? Who else could I bless? Watch what God can do when you do that. The third thing, stop looking for a shortcut. Oh, we are desperate for escape. God, please swoop in and just grab me out of this mess. You could write me a $20,000 check right now if you wanted to. But you see, what God is interested in is not changing your circumstances. He's interested in changing you. Because if he doesn't change you and he only changes the circumstances, you'll just be back here again. And so Jeremiah writes, in the name of the Lord, and he says, the Lord says, don't listen to those false prophets that say that this is going to be over soon, don't worry about it. Don't we want to go down to the bookstore and buy the five easy steps to health, wealth, and prosperity? We want that book, right? It doesn't exist. I mean, the book exists, but if you, if, you do those, if you do those five easy things, you might find yourself in some better place for a while. But unless God is given an opportunity to change the things, the distortions, the uh, habitual, habitual patterns, the tendencies in your life, you're going to just end up here again. And so God says through Jeremiah, he says, don't listen to those shortcut guys, those shortcut gurus that are just going for the, the quick, easy fix. Don't listen to them. I didn't send them. You're going to be here for seven, zero years. Please don't hear that now as some sort of pronouncement that you're, whatever you find yourself in, you know, you're going to be in for a long haul. You may be. But here's what you don't want to do, is worry about how long it's going to take. What you want to worry about is God take as long as you need. Yes. Do not. This is miserable. I hate it, but I don't want to come here again. Do what you have to do in me now and finish this. Take it all the way to the end. A few years ago, Sue found herself in a job that was torturous to her. She was working for 
uh, in, a, in just horrific conditions. And I saw it taking a toll on her every day, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I was joining with her in prayer and saying, God, this... Uh, sucks. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> She said that, not me. <laughs> but the Lord spoke to us and, and, he, and he said, I, I'm getting at something. Don't exit the program. Don't try to escape what I, I've got to finish this. So as hard as it was, we hung in there with it and it was hard. But then the Lord just opened this great job of suit. Now she doesn't want to work, but, but, but who does? But she has a fantastic job. She loves to go to, and God's given her great ministry there, and it's just a, a wonderful story. But there is a, something really, really important about not trying to escape, because we get really squirmy. When it gets really tight and life squeezes in on you, you get really squirmy and like a like a, you know a, my my granddaughter she's very independent and she's not one who's a real snuggly kind of kind of girl and so if you try to hold her tight she doesn't you know she wants to squirm out of that and we want to escape the tight place the lord has arranged for us to be in but if we will just rest in his love there we're going to find that it produces something that changes the future Finally, embrace God's vision for your future. The end of verse 8 says, he says, stop listening to the, to the prophets. And then he says, don't listen to your dreams which you caused to be dreamed. <laughs> I'm, I, I've said this before jokingly, probably a hundred times you've, you've heard me say it. But it's, it's, and it's tongue-in-cheek, sort of. But not really, it was true. I wanted to be the fifth beetle. I wanted to be a rock star. And I worked hard at it. And then I came to Christ and then I wanted to be a Christian rock star. <laughs> you know, and, and I had, I'd gotten a taste of what that would be like. You know, I mean, I, there were some things that, uh, that, that I got to experience were pretty fantastic in that way. But ultimately one day I had to face the fact that that was a dream I caused to be dreamed. That was a hard thing to stare down. You know? I, I believe that God gives us dreams and visions about our lives. I, I believe that. I, I believe that the... Now, sometimes we lose touch with them. And sometimes disappointments so cloud that that we, you know, we, we, we don't, you know, we've, we've just lost a connection to those things. But I do believe God gives us a sense of the places that he wants to take us. But sometimes what gets superimposed over that are the dreams we've manufactured and God has to strip those out so that he can reveal his vision, his plan for us. And one of those days I reached in my life and I had to let go of this thing. I had to let it go. And, um, and then embrace the dream, the vision, the plan, however you want to describe it, that God had for me. And let me tell you what. Whatever you dreamed up, whatever you think would be just excellent, what God has in mind for you is so much better. It's so much 
There's so much more peace in it, so much more security in it, so much more fulfillment in it, so much more joy in it. And part of what God is doing sometimes in these seasons of our lives is stripping away that dream I caused to be dreamed so that we can see the plans that he has for us. Now, every time I come to a Sunday morning teaching time like this or, you know, microchurch or men's institute or any of the times I have to open God's word with you or some subgroup of you, I always say, God, let me prophesy in your name. And don't get nervous. I don't mean, you know, to tell the future. What I mean is, God, I want your voice to be heard. That's what prophecy is, hearing God's, hearing God, hearing what he has to say. So I always say, God, I pray, you know, whatever else happens, let them hear something from you today. And uh, so that's just my routine, and it's what I, I don't know, you know, uh, I can't always say with certainty that, uh, that my, uh, my desires in that, in that way are fulfilled because the human uh, agent here involved in it. But I trust that more times than not, the Lord does get his, his voice heard, even when I talk about tattoos like I did last week. <laughs> Big mistake, but anyway. <clears throat> And so I don't normally, you know, blow a trumpet or make an announcement, thus says the Lord. Because I just, I, I just it kind of, Lord, just let your voice be heard. But right now, if I could blow a trumpet, I would. Because thus says the Lord. I believe that what I'm going to tell you right now is the word of God to you. And the reason I can say that with absolute confidence is I'm going to read it from here. <laughs> <laughs> for I know the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope remember God was saying this to a group of people who were as far from any of that as you could imagine but God was saying to them even though you found yourself in the backwater of your own failure, my love pursues you there. The plans that I have for you are not forgotten or forsaken. I am still on your side and I am still able to recover, restore, and redeem. When I think about you, I think about your future and a hope and that's for you, and that's for me today. Let's don't be in a rush to uh, squirm our way out of the things we have gotten ourselves into. Let's let God do what he has to do to bring full recovery to us, because he will count on it.